Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Soundprints for the week of January 17, 2021. We begin with announcements of various calls and Zoom events coming up in the next two weeks. All of these events are open, so plan to attend those that interest you. Coming up on the KCB Zoom line are the following. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its next support group meeting on Wednesday, January 20 at 7.30 p.m. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout on Friday, January 22 from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. will include page turners sponsored by the Tri-State Library users where participants have the opportunity to share books, they've read, and authors they enjoy. The Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana will hold its membership meeting on Monday, January 25 at 7 p.m. And on January 29, GLCB will hold another roundabout from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. There will be lots of fun and games at that roundabout, a great way to close out the first month of the year. The Zoom number to call for all of these events is 669 669- Nine zero zero six eight three three, and the code is eight six two nine eight eight nine six nine seven two. Remember that you can call from any landline or cell phone. The KSB alumni will hold its January Board of Directors meeting on Sunday, January twenty four, at eight p.m. The dial-in number is six zero five four seven five six zero zero six, and the code is two nine four 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 four. All are invited to attend. IRA plans for ACB members. IRA is a service that connects blind and low vision people to highly trained, remotely located agents. Through an app on your smartphone, IRA delivers instant access to visual information at the touch of a button, enhancing everyday efficiency, engagement, and independence. IRA offers two special pricing plans for ACB members. The intro power plan includes 30 minutes per month for $20 and the standard power plan includes 140 minutes per month for $99. These plans are available for ACB members in good standing who sign up through December 31, 2021. Please contact Customer Care at 800 800- 835-1934 for more information and to confirm your status to purchase a plan. Cora McNabb, Executive Director of the Kentucky Office of Vocational Rehabilitation, spoke to the 2020 KCB Convention on Saturday, November 7. Listen to her remarks on page 2. Peggy Sinclair Morris, the new principal at the Kentucky School for the Blind, also spoke to our convention on November 7. Meet her on page 3. We hope you enjoy Soundprints this week. We remind you that you can also listen to Soundprints on our audio information service. Call the information line anytime, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 
by dialing 773-572-6318. To reach the Kentucky Council of the Blind and make suggestions for future sound prints, give us a call at 502-895-4598. Page 2. Now we are going to have a speaker, Positives in a Virtual World, Cora McNabb, who is the Executive Director, Kentucky Office of Vocational Rehabilitation Services from Frankfort, Kentucky. Cora? Good morning. Thank you for inviting me to come and speak to you today. And I'm so glad we have a presentation titled The Positive. First, I do want to thank um, the Kentucky Council of the Blind for their advocacy efforts on behalf of individuals that we serve that are blind and visually impaired, not only on a state level, but on a national level. And I just want to say how important the advocacy organization is um, for what we do and just for everyday life in general for everyone. So the good news is that we have all four categories of service open. So um, one of our regional managers said the other day, this, this is the best time that you could apply for services with all four categories over and open and the cost sharing has been, has been suspended. And so um, we can serve individuals from across the state in all four categories. Um, I was going to go over some of the statistics with you, and we have seen an impact of COVID on our numbers, obviously, because some individuals are choosing to shelter at home and not work at this time. Some individuals, you know, we have heard um, some individuals say that we want to wait until things get better and, or things improve, and we certainly respect those decisions of individuals. But um, I would say for blind services, the numbers are down by about 16% of those served from what we served this time last year. And that's pretty similar to what we're seeing in our numbers straight across the board. One of the things that um, is interesting is, though, since the be January, the beginning of the calendar year, we've had 191 referrals. So that's a good steady amount of, of referrals that are coming in. Right now, they're serving around 1,187 individuals, of which those there are 70 that are job ready. Um, there are 241 that are in training of some kind. So, you know, even though the numbers are lower, we still are open for business and serving individuals. Across the entire state since January, in all programs, all four of the divisions, we've served close to 37,000 individuals. And statewide, we have around 4,500 individuals in training programs, and there are around 2,300 that are ready um, for employment. 
We have seen an overall drop in referrals by about 50% statewide in all, all of the divisions. Um, so actually that drop in blind services is a little better than what we're seeing state, statewide. You know, the, the impact on our, our services, we know staff for telecommuting. Um, we're using various platforms for remote service delivery, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, we're working very closely with other state agencies and workforce partners to assure that the essential service delivery occurs. Um, we're allowing some exceptions in service delivery. Uh, the recent increase in COVID numbers has caused us to take a pause and look at that to make sure that we're doing all we can do to keep our staff and consumers safe. Um, we've done a lot of additional training with staff during this time. Um, we had a, more of an emphasis on suicide prevention, remote service delivery. Um, and we have, any of our staff would tell you, we flooded them with information and referral for the individuals that we serve. The staff have been very busy with the development of online remote service delivery. Several things that we have noticed from the individuals that we serve um, who have talked to us about the impact of COVID for them. We know that in some instances, the lack of technology hinders the learning of individuals or them being able to access services remotely. But in other instances, the technology has allowed many more people to be able to access different activities such as, the, as this conference this weekend. You know, there's a bit of a myth out there that individuals with disabilities are more uh, vulnerable to COVID, which isn't always the case. Um, we do know that some individuals are, um, and that's just general across all populations. Social distancing has created some isolation and loneliness, and we know that there has been some interruption in public transportation that's created hardships or some people have felt unsafe. But like Joe was um, speaking a while ago, um, it's kind of nice to work from home and not have that commute or have to fool with um, transportation at this time. So we have been trying very hard to make sure that individuals have good resources and referral to services that they need during this time. And, you know, what has, to me, what has been a temporary inconvenience for us, um, wearing masks, um, you know, the challenges during the pandemic, for a lot of the individuals that we serve, they're used to those challenges in their everyday life, which I'm sure that you all have already talked about some of that. Um, and so what we have complained about on a larger scale, many individuals with disabilities face every day. And, you know, for someone that's a wheelchair user, that's not going to go away when the pandemic is over. Those are some of the things that we have discovered. Uh, for our vendors, um, providers of services, um, the pandemic has been 
very, very difficult, um, very challenging for all of them. Um, I did want to let you know that at the McDowell Center at this time, um, Heidi and Helga, Heidi Kesterman and Helga Gilbert reported to me that we have 30 individuals that are participating in some of the remote learning that we have going on. Um, so that was a very um, positive thing for for the staff there that have worked hard to, de to um, develop those opportunities. Um, some of the things that the McDowell Center is doing right now um, are some ongoing drop-in opportunities that are open to everybody. Um, they're offering anything and everything to consumers with the opportunity to drop in and discuss various topics in a group setting. Once a month, the consumers can join and learn about resources and topics related to vision loss. Um, also, um, they are offering healthy living, which covers topics in a group setting, such as health education. Could be anything from COVID to flu to mental health. Um, then another um, opportunity they have is Living Blind, which provides an outlet for consumers to discuss issues related to blindness. And that class has um, guest speakers from the community. Then in addition to that, they have different courses, um, and, but these courses do require evaluation and registration. Um, um, so... Um, if anyone is interested in that, they can contact Hope Lavertu um, through the center. But some of the courses that they're offering are work readiness and career exploration. Um, we have a Braille program, orientation and mobility, career assessment, counseling services, psychological assessments, home and financial management assistive technology, community resources, basic skill remediation, and personal health care management. So the staff have worked to develop um, remote curriculums to the best of their ability so that we have um, ongoing services that are occurring during the pandemic. The um, Independent Living Older Blind Program um, is is working to provide as much as possible uh, services remotely. Uh, and of course, I think I have mentioned this before on the sound prints with talking to Carla, that, you know, that program has um, really had to take a step back and look at the safety of individuals because we serve a mostly older blind population and, you know, we would not want to take COVID into uh, someone's home and all the, much of the services there take place in a residential setting. Both of the centers are still um, closed and that will, I anticipate that will continue into the new year, probably sometime in the spring before we relook at opening the centers to residential services. So that concludes my update for everybody and I'll be glad to take any questions. Oh, one thing I didn't mention I, I would want to say is that we are 
looking to make some renovations to the building itself, some long term, long time overdue upgrades to the to the dorm rooms and to the restrooms. We, we're currently in process of getting prior approval from the Rehab Services Administration to be able to do that, to be able to expend federal dollars on the building. Um, so while the buildings are empty and um, we found additional problems in both the Perkins Center in Thelma and the McDowell Center in Louisville. And so we're trying to do that while there are no residents in the building. If anybody wants additional information, uh, you, you can email me, uh, Cora, C-O-R-A dot McNab, M-C-N-A-B-B at K-Y dot gov. There is also additional information on our website um, about the center. And this is Carla. Thanks for coming to talk to us this morning. When OVR and OFB merged, uh, there was concern that sometimes in, in these merges that services for the blind kind of become secondary because there are so many more clients that have other disabilities as opposed to blindness, blindness being kind of a low incidence disability. I know that sometimes when people, you know, as people lose their vision, they, they're not so sure it's low incidence, but it really is. During that whole process, uh, Becky Cabe and I were committed to assuring that the specialized services for the blind and visually impaired um, were not uh, diminished in any way. And so we did some things to strengthen them, actually. One of those things was um, we, we have a division of blind services. There are four divisions, and actually two of the four um, serve individuals that are blind and visually impaired. So we have the Kentucky Business Enterprises. That's the one division. Blind services is a division. And then we have the division of field services. And the Carl D. Perkins Center um, is another division. So under the division of blind services, we also elevated the independent living and older blind to a branch. So they have an entire uh, branch. And we hired a branch manager who is gay panel. And then we also have added an independent living uh, staff person um, as well. So we have an additional um, ILOIB counselor. And we are looking at, um, you know, where we need to add an additional additional staff in that area. So we, it's given us the flexibility um, monetarily. The Independent Living Older Blind Grant is, is just a small amount of around 500000 which sounds like a lot of money, but it's not when you go to paying salaries, um, funding services. So that has, that has really helped the Independent Living Older Blind Program. Um, the other thing is we added an additional branch in field services. There used to be two regions of the, for blind and for the rehab counselors for the blind, and we added a third. 
Um, so uh, one thing I will update you on here, I, I should have mentioned was that Mitzi Knight, the manager in um, the Western part has retired. So we will be um, hiring uh, to replace her. And Alan Gullett, who is the manager in the Eastern Kentucky Blind Services uh, branch, is um, has moved um, and taken a promotional position. So we'll be replacing him. But we're committed to keeping those three specialized branches um, statewide and ensuring that the managers that oversee the rehab counselors for the blind have those specialized skills. Um, the other thing that we did, I feel like, was we made sure that we had at least six slots on the state rehab council that were filled with individuals that represented the advocacy organizations and then also um, the blind vendor program. So those were some of the things that we did to make sure that that, that strengthened those services and protected them. And we continue to, um, you know, make sure that that ongoing, that those remain in place. Yes, this is Heidi from the McDowell Center. Um, I just wanted to clarify um, for Hope LaVirtue is the person to contact for everything like Cora said, but that anything and everything class that is once a month, the living blind that is twice a week, and the healthy living that is once a week is open to all individuals. So if anybody would like to be added to the distribution list for those classes, you can reach out to Hope and she will add you to the email distribution. We send the Zoom links the day of the class with the topic so people have the link readily available and know what topic is going to be discussed that day. Melanie. I work for APH specifically in the Department of the Connect Center. We have a community calendar of, of events where we are encouraging state agencies or any um, professionals in the field to post their um, events that are open to the public. And so you can reach that by going to aphconnectcenter.org if you'd like to share your events there. Thank you. Oh, that's a great idea. KCB has an event calendar on our website that Rick Bogus does a terrific job of maintaining. And so if you would like for us to include your information in our event calendar, we'd be more than happy to do that as well. I just want people to know that Cora, before the agencies merged, was the director of the Office for the Blind. Cora, I think, is doing a great job. And Becky also. Becky Cabe, you just can't say enough about how Becky Cabe really um, works with people and just does a terrific job in the agency. We really appreciate all that you all do. Thank you so much. Page three. We are now going to hear um, from Peggy Sinclair Morris, our new virtual school. She is the principal at the Kentucky School for the Blind in Louisville, Kentucky, and we're going to be hearing what kind of challenges they have been facing. Peggy? Hi, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm really happy to be here, and I do want to say I, I've been getting the reminders and emails from ACB, and I'm really impressed with y'all's 
organization and um, reminders. Um, would love to talk to somebody about who, who's been in charge of that. Um, I'm a member of the Kentucky Association for the Education and Rehabilitation for the Blind and Visually Impaired, and we're also going to have our conference virtual in, in March. But um, again, kudos. You all have done a fantastic job with all the promotional reminders and things. As you know, my name is Peggy Sinclair Morris, and I started as principal July 1st, so right right in the middle of the COVID pandemic. So I kind of kind of knew what I was getting into when I started. Um, I thought, oh, surely, you know, we'll have kids back on campus by September at the latest. Just wanted to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I started out as an orientation and mobility specialist in Houston, Texas. And then um, went on to get my certification as a teacher of the visually impaired and teacher of the deaf and hard of hearing and, and taught for um, many years as an itinerant TVI and O&M specialist in Richmond, Virginia and um, northern New Mexico and have worked as a project coordinator for the Virginia Deafblind Project and the Kentucky Deafblind Project and also worked as the outreach director at KSB when we um, moved from Virginia to Kentucky in 2014. My husband thought it would be a great idea to get a job at University of Louisville. So we packed up the family and um, here we are. So to talk a little bit about what is going on right now at KSB, um, we have been on virtual instruction since March when the pandemic first hit. Let me back up by saying it's been very up and down, back and forth. Um, I know I'm sure parents have gotten frustrated with the, the messages because we'll send out a message and say, okay, we're hoping to bring kids back this date. And then a week later, no, sorry, we can't. Because of the COVID, the numbers in Jefferson County are very high. Currently, the students are all virtual. Um, we provide instruction via Microsoft Teams. It's mostly synchronous learning, so that would be when the teacher is online with the students. Um, there is some asynchronous learning. Some of our teachers are sending, oh, they might video record uh, a story and send that home for the student to listen to later, and that's primarily for our younger kiddos and our students with more complex needs because, um, as you all probably well know, kids with um, complex needs, especially multiple disabilities, deaf blindness, virtual instruction is very, very difficult because sitting in front of a computer really has no meaning. Um, and, you know, kids just thrive on meaningful instruction and so that, that's been our biggest challenge, to provide instruction that's right for all the kids. Um, so in August, what we did, we are fortunate to have access to CARES funding, which is through, um, through the state and the federal government. And we were able to provide new laptops with ZoomText, NVDA, and JAWS on them, um, iPads, because many of our kids like iPads with um, Bookshare, Talking Alley, all the, you know, the different apps that they need to access the information. Um, because, you know, that, that is our greatest concern. We want to make sure that the students are able to access all of their educational information, the work that is sent home to students. Um, 
So that, that has been our main priority to make sure everybody has access. This week was our third set of delivery. Um, we delivered materials out to students across the state. And so that included braille materials, large print materials, um, books, manipulatives, our librarian, Christy Unker, has done a really fantastic job with library, especially for the little ones. Um, she sends out a craft in a bag that relates to the story that she's doing each week. You know, and she makes sure that the craft, again, is accessible and um, individualized to each of the different kids. So that's, I've been able to pop into some of those lessons, and that's been really, that's been fun to watch. So um, we do, you know, um, have quite a, a delivery system going. We have it down pretty well to, you know, um, but it's, again, it's challenging because we have kids all the way from Paducah to Ashland. So, um, and we have, you know, we have to answer to the Kentucky Department of Education. So we have to get special permissions to travel. And so in the spring, again, I wasn't at the school at the time, but I know that they kind of followed the regular school schedule that kids were online from 730 to 230 and kind of followed their regular schedule. But we decided that that's just way too much screen time for the kids. Um, it's, it's very fatiguing, eye fatiguing, um, brain, you know, brain fatiguing. It's just, it's just hard to just sit on a computer, as I'm sure many of you know that um, are on the computer all day or you're on Zoom meetings, Teams meetings all day. It's, by the end of the day, you're just exhausted. So middle and high school decided to do more of a, a block schedule, so you would have certain classes Monday, Wednesday, and then the other classes Tuesdays, Thursday, and you didn't have classes all day. You might start at 8.30 and finish at 1.30 and, and then have a break in between each class and a lunch break, of course. So I, I think that's worked out really well, and that has given the teachers times to um, meet individually with students. Fortunately, we have been given permission to provide some services out in the state, um, functional vision learning media assessments. As you all know, that is, um, gosh, that's next to impossible to do virtually. You really, you really need to directly work with a student on that assessment. So we are able to do those. We can't go into students' homes, but we can, um, we can meet at a local school. Um, we can work out in the driveway. Connie Hill, who is currently our only certified O&M specialist, she's been doing some O&M with students around the state as her schedule allows. But, you know, again, that's been challenging um, because we have to have certain paperwork in place. Um, and we also recently, um, we had looked at some kiddos, especially, again, our I call them teeny weenies. We have about six kindergartners and um, we have a, a relatively large elementary program right now um, and quite a few students that are Braille readers. And, you know, as you all know, instructing Braille, especially to a new Braille reader, is really difficult to sometimes impossible online. So we had started bringing some kids, what we called, we had to put them in tiers. So Tier one being students that they were making progress on through virtual instruction. Then tier two, they were making progress but maybe needed a little bit more support online. And then our kiddos who are tier three who were not making progress. And we very, we very clearly looked at the data and looked at the IEP 
and looked at all that information to determine which kiddos were not making any progress. And it really turned out to be a lot of our, again, our little teeny weenies, our new Braille readers, and our kids in our moderate to severe disabilities classroom. We are partnering with different districts across the state where the students live because, again, we had, <laughs> we had thought we were going to be able to bring students back. And then the Friday before, the health department said, no way, um, you do not need to have kids in the dorm sharing bathrooms, um, sharing bedrooms, all that kind of stuff. So we had to um, kind of put the brakes on and make a new plan. And so um, we're partnering with some those local districts where we have students at that tier three level. And we do have, again, as I'm sure you all know, some districts across the state that can continue to stay open and so we're working with those districts to bring our students into their school and provide some services along partnering with our um, outreach department. So I wanted to talk a little bit about our outreach program and what they're doing. And outreach includes our short course program. And um, for those of you who may not know, our short course program is um, focuses on the expanded core curriculum and Students from around the state can come from up to 12 weeks each year. Um, it doesn't change their, it's not a placement change, so they, they don't become a KSB student. Um, but we, it's divided into elementary, middle, and high school weeks. And so the kids come, they bring their work from home, from their home district, and then they also come along with a specific ECC expanded core curriculum area that they need to work on. So it could be assistive technology, it could be um, self-determination, braille, um, orientation and mobility, and they intensively work on those skills for the two weeks that they're on campus. And they, they, they can stay in the dorm or um, they don't have, the student doesn't have to stay in the dorm, but Again, unfortunately, we're not doing that right now, but what our short course teachers are doing, they are producing some really nice videos on the expanded core curriculum. Um, they've also had social hours with the um, short course kids around the state because what, I think what happens is the kids come and they meet, they make friends. Um, they may be the only student who's visually impaired in their district, and so they meet other kids who use similar equipment, who might read Braille, um, use a cane, and they, they, they develop this network of friends. And, and so the kids were really missing each other. So um, Jess Belcher and Kirsten Price, our short course teachers, have had some, again, social, social hours with the kids, which has been really nice. Um, so all of these ECC videos are going to be on the, there is a KSB YouTube page. And so that... Um, those will be available to anybody who su subscribes to the page. Um, they've been working kind of partnering with um, some folks from the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired on some of the short course stuff. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what, you know, all the, the neat things that they produce. One positive about COVID has been all the free webinars that have happened. Um, Texas School for the Blind has provided some fantastic what they call coffee hour talks ranging from um, 
low vision to virtual instruction to how to teach Braille online. Um, of course, the American Printing House um, has their virtual Excel Academy. They've partnered with Perkins in Texas and Paths to Literacy. Um, and, and plus, APH has had some really fantastic webinars. So um, I do have to say that has been one positive, being able to learn and join all these free, and most of them are free, um, webinars for, with, you know, experts from all over the country. So I know that our outreach staff has really taken advantage of that. Again, we continue to get new students through the pandemic. We have gotten several new students. Um, so we have, I, I think we're up to 66 students now, and I just had a family come to the school. To, they wanted to register their son at KSB, but again, I had to tell them the process. Well, you have to go back to your local district. So we had one new teacher this year. No teachers left last year. We have a new PE teacher. He is an adaptive PE teacher, and he's studying under Lauren Lieberman, who is the um, expert in adaptive PE for kids with visual impairment. So we are super, super excited to have Matthew with us. Um, and he, he's doing some neat. Again, I was able to jump in on one of his team's classes, and, you know, he's doing some neat things and really, I think, establishing good good rapport with the kiddos. So um, that is kind of what's going on at KSB. Um, you know, again, it's I've learned to be flexible and to not and to expect things to change very quickly. Um, I, you know, I, I took the job knowing full well that COVID was active and around us, but um, you know, I just feel like I've I am in the place where I'm, I was always meant to be and. Um, I, I so appreciate the alumni and the support and um, look forward to partnering with ACB. Um, one thing that I'm hoping to work on is um, a historical um, journey through KSB and, you know, go back to 1842 and kind of talk about why the residential school started. Um, what what is? Sometimes I think you have to look back to look forward, and I, I would really like the teachers at the school to know the history, you know, the deep reach history of KSB and and the community. Um, I I have never lived, you know, I've lived in I think eight states, and have been to out of those eight states, probably five had some connection with the schools for the blind in those states. Um, but I, I've never lived anywhere where there's such a rich community around the school and the alumni is, is so strong and involved. And, um, you know, and I, I so appreciate that. And I can't wait until we're back on campus and the kids are there and um, we can, I can come to your conference in person and meet everybody face to face. Um, so that's, uh, that about covers everything. I think that there's plenty of time for questions if anybody has anything they'd Melanie? like to ask. Yeah, Melanie? Hi, Peggy. This is Melanie Pesco, Peyton. Hi. Mom. How are Hi. you? And Megan's mom. You probably remember Megan. Oh, I Peyton. love Megan. She was at this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I uh, just really want to thank you and 
commend you for the positive impact you're already bringing to KSB. I think through your leadership as a parent, I am seeing, uh, and consumer and alumni, um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of positive change and uh, change can be hard and change can be slow, but you can definitely um, just feel that, um, you know, and experientially, you know, Peyton has, there's been a world of difference in how he has been able to handle NTI this year already, as opposed to um, last year. And I think that's um, in part because, you know, we've all learned a lot of lessons along the way between uh, last year and this year, but also just because uh, the tireless effort of some of your teachers has just been astounding to me. And he's, you know, he's very, very lucky to have people like Melissa Fisher and Laura Parker and Mr. Reese and Miss um, Spees. And I, well, I can't even list them all, but and Mr. Mm-hmm. Stockhausen, you know, we've been really lucky to have um, Bo Mullins in, in the past as a part of Peyton's life. So anyway, all of this is to say, I just really commend you for your leadership and the energy and fresh air that you bring uh, to KSB. And I'm just really excited about the direction in which you're moving. And um, I'm glad to be a part of it. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. That really, oh, that makes me almost, that makes me tear up a little. I really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. You know, um, and please tell Meg I said hello. And I sure will. I her and um, Peyton that I can't wait to meet him in person. So you bet. thank you for that, Melanie. Thank you, Peggy. This is Adam. And, of course, I was very happy to hear you talk about the historical aspects of the school uh, because it's certainly one thing that I've, emphasized in my own personal life and tried to get our alumni members to do and uh, we have several alumni involved with our conference this weekend but also we have a lot of people who may not have had direct connection with KSB but we hope that they will uh, help us to support the school and especially in our efforts to kind of brag on it and, and emphasize the history. So thank you very much for that. And I hope maybe we can work with KSB's librarian as part of that because um, the library, of course, is a a part of where you keep history. So thank you. Sure, Adam. Thank you. And part of it's selfish because I'm a, a huge history buff and I wanted to major in history when I was in um college but my mom said well what are you going to do are you going to teach it and I was like no I just like it so um, anyway so I you know love the history the deep rich history um have been talking to Mike Hudson over at APH and I'm really excited about it um so one thing I did forget to mention was KSB is working in partnership with the charitable foundation and make a wish foundation to um, build a new playground. So again, we're in the process of, you know, the state, you have to get this bid and that bid. And um, so we're getting it. We're in the process of, of starting that hopefully very soon to have a playground that's accessible for all, all the students, because we do have some students in wheelchairs. And um, so I'm excited about that whenever, whenever that gets rolling. Uh, Matt. Thank you for coming to speak with us today. I just wonder if um, you could sort of give some general comments on 
staff morale at the school. I know the school has been through several principal changes throughout the past decade and it's it's had an impact on staff and caused quite a bit of turnover in years past. Yeah, so staff morale um, <clears throat> right now, you know, um, I guess I'll take I'll take COVID out of the situation. Um, so this year the only new teacher that was hired was um, the uh, PE teacher. So there hasn't been a huge turnover in the past two years. So I, I think we, so I left the school for the blind briefly in 2018. And when that year, um, kind of a whole new crew of teachers had come in, but the, the difference about the, that group of teachers, they were seasoned teachers. They had been teaching 20 years but they had never worked with kids that were blind or visually impaired. So um, they, they had that deep knowledge of content, but all went back to get their TVI certification. So um, I I think the morale is better than it has been because um, I was at KSB during the process of, you know, there were three principals when I was there. So um, it was very stressful. Morale was very low. Um, I think it's getting better again, taking COVID out of the situation. Um, You know, I feel very strongly about being transparent and communicating. I think if you don't communicate with people, that's where you get in trouble because people fill in the gaps. And um, as I, some of you I'm sure know um, the gossip at residential schools can be um, like over, you know, it just the gossip, any school gossip happens, but at residential schools, um, you know, the network is very fast and things get out. So I, you know, I believe in communicating, being transparent, letting people know what's going on, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I think the staff morale is getting better. And and that is one of my big things is to work on the culture and the climate. So even, even during COVID, you have to, you have to continually work on that. Peggy, this is Debbie Detheridge. And um, I was wondering are with the kids not being there and I know like you said you have to get approval for everything are there are you all doing any updates to any of the buildings now that the kids aren't there maybe easier to do um we the biggest update we just did was a new um PA system and that was funded through the state through the capital projects um so that would be the biggest update. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, and, and I'll be honest with you all, the, the budget for KSB has not changed in many, many years. Um, the legislature has not. Um, uh, honestly, the, the budget is in dire straits. So if things don't change, we'll have to look at, um, you know, rearranging staff, doing things like that. So, um, you know, unfortunately, we don't have we're doing little projects like replacing ceiling tiles, doing some painting. Um, the dorm staff just painted the bowling alley and it really, really, um, when campus is open, would love for people to come by and see it. It looks really nice. Um, you know, so just little projects like that, but major projects, unfortunately, we don't have the funding for right now. So maybe that's where you all can help me is talking to your legislature about the importance of the school and, 
you know, how we need it. It's, it's relevant. It's important. The kids need it. And, you know, we need that increase in money so that we, because the buildings are old and um, things need to be fixed. And um, um, our track was damaged by a tree that fell on it in September, I think. So um, the, our athletic director, Jess Belcher, and our facilities manager, John Aaron, are working on a grant to get funding for that um, because it didn't, it, it's so, the funding's so complicated with the state. Some things qualify, some things don't. So, and as you all know, we have to have that track. I mean, we absolutely have to have it for our kids. So, um, so if any of you happen to know any legislature on the budget committee, um, shoot me, a, shoot me a, an email or a phone call. Lyle and Fran. Hi. Yeah. My name is Fran and I'm in Philadelphia and um, I attended the Overbrook School for the Blind and I just wanted to um, reiterate how important it is to keep an open line between the school, the faculty, the alumni. Um, it, it really is vital. The alumni is vital to the school in so many ways. And um, I know, you know, some of your people down there, Carla and Adam, and, and I know that they care about the school. And I think um, if there's a way to utilize your alumni in um, programming or, I know, not just fundraising, but just day-to-day hands-on with the kids, um, I, I think, you know, because we as alumni have experienced what you're trying to tell your kids, you know, they need to do this because, you know, where people like Adam and Carla and others can go and say, you know, what your teachers are telling you is really true. You need to listen to them because I didn't listen and I did this and it didn't work. And now I'm doing what they told me, you know, things like that. I think you need, you know, and, and at Overbrook, too, we try to keep an open link between the alumni and the students and the staff and try to keep, um, you know, that open line, that conference line, whatever it is. And I know with your program right now, it's very, very hard with your kids not being in school. Um, you know, physically, it's you know, that online learning has got to be, you know, a challenge and uh, I feel for you, our kids, we don't have a residential program right now, and our kids are all, well, some of them are in school because their parents want them there, and some kids are home because their parents don't want them there, so there's there's combination of online teaching and in-school teaching, and that's just challenging. I just think it's important to keep that open line between your alumni and, and keep that history alive. That's really vital. Um, we, at our school, we, we like to look back on the past and, and reminisce and go back and say what well, was like this then and, and, and acknowledge the changes that need to be. But yet, you know, we, we still like things to be the way they used to be. And, you know, so it's, it's that crossover and, you know, I just wanted to say that I'm glad that you came and we got to hear you and um, just to know what you're 
what you what you're doing at your school and maybe some of what you're doing we can take back to our school and say you know so but thank you for listening and i appreciate your being available oh thank you fran and i've actually been to the overbrook school it's beautiful i mean beautiful stone buildings and campus you know, again, one of the premier schools, um, and I appreciate your comments a lot. Um, I, I completely agree. We, we've got to keep active with the alumni. Um, I've talked to Carla and Adam about, you know, when kids are back, how can we work together to, to support the students? Because you're right, I'm, I'm not visually impaired. I, I did not attend a residential school for the blind, so I don't walk the walk. I mean, I walk the walk of being a teacher, and that kind of and an administrator, but um, you know, it's so important to have people be able to tell their story and tell the kids, like you said, hey, you know, this is how it used to be, and you know, um, listen to especially listen to your teachers. So I, I like I like that a lot. So I really thank you, Fran. I appreciate your comments, Rick. Good morning. I'm uh, Rick Vargas from Owensboro. I'm a retired itinerant teacher from Owensboro in Davis County. I want you to comment on the current status of the regional consultants. Are are they, I think the one in Bowling Green just retired. Could you comment on their status? Sure. What's going on yeah. there? Thank you. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Rick. Nice to, nice to have you. Um, so, yeah, the outreach consultants um, are continuing to work. We did have two retire. Uh, the one in the Grec region, uh, Wendy Strode retired and Martin Monson, who's the outreach director, is getting ready to interview for that. So, um, you know, the consultants are still um, an incredibly vital part of the school. Um, they, you know, work on building that capacity out in the state and working on those systems systems changes for kids that are out in the state. Um, you know, I, I feel like, <clears throat> and especially the the teacher, the consultant who was in the Grec area, the Outreach consultants are really good at finding those teachers in districts to sort of home grow the teacher into a teacher of the visually impaired because there's such a shortage. Um, I think Kentucky has one of the best outreach models across the U.S. just because of the great, um, I don't want to say recruiting to the field, but recruiting into the field of, of local teachers. Um, and so they continue to keep busy supporting, especially supporting the new teachers out of the University of Kentucky program um, and having meetings with the teachers and working with directors of special ed across the state to, again, find those teachers who want to stay in their district but become a teacher of the visually impaired. So um, there's been greater success having a, a teacher who's invested in the community becoming a teacher of the visually impaired and then staying there as opposed to finding somebody from out of state or, you know, another area. So um, the consultants are still going hard and strong. This is Terry. And I was wondering if you could comment on whether you've been able to use CARES funding for any kind of, of change at the school that might go uh, stay in effect after we have conquered COVID? Yeah, that's another really good question. Um, we have been able to use CARES funding. Um, we were able to use it to purchase individual um, devices, laptops for each student and iPads. Um, and so that will 
you know, each student will continue to have their own device. Um, with the Canvas program, that is something that we will that will continue. It won't just go away after COVID and CARES funding is no longer available. That's something that we will be able to keep. I think we have a three-year contract with them. I'm trying to think other things we've gotten through CARES funding. You know, again, um, some training. We've been able to get some training through care, using CARES funding. And so that, again, will continue to be to sustain the individuals who got the training. A lot of what we've gotten through the CARES funding is, um, again, all the PPE. So we have gallons and gallons of um, hand sanitizer and plexiglass dividers. Um, so I, I think the main things through the CARES funding that will continue will be more of the technology through the technology aspect. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.